let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Good evening. Welcome back to the Football Babble. Just the two of us tonight. Myself and Brendan. Hello, Brendan. Hello, back back to old times. Yeah. Before all these retrobates got involved. <laughs> old school, before the, the three uh, morons got involved. Um, the three lads, Johnny, Steve and Paddy are unavailable this evening, but they should be back next week, all being well. Um, Johnny can't come because he's watching Arsenal get beat by Crystal Palace. I'm just preempting that, so it will happen. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to get his reaction Thursday night to Big Paddy V handing out the L's to the Arsenal later on this evening. Uh, yes, just me and Brent, loads happened and the return of... Uh, Club football, uh, professional club football. I knew him for anyone in Irish league. I think bounces on me here. Um, <clears throat> in in England and across Europe, Liverpool ran riot uh, at uh, Watford. Leicester saw off Manchester United and an absolute chaotic and brilliant for a neutral uh, second half. Wolves did the same in ten minutes to poor Aston Villa, and of course we had Newcastle's new owners uh, get off to a resounding loss. My first uh, match as owners of Newcastle United Football Club. Loads of into plus Chelsea saw off Brentford in a chaotic and scary game. Brent, I'm sure you'll touch on that briefly, but suppose yeah. we'll start at, at Vicarage Road's first game uh, of the weekend. Liverpool off to Watford, the team that ended their unbeaten run uh, the year they won the title with uh, Sar Ishmael Sar absolutely torturing for Dejan Lovren. But uh, pardon me, Brent, it was a bit different this time round. Um, yeah, do you want to make any comment with Steve just just before we just just get it out of the way, or do you want me to go on ahead? The fact Steve tried to jinx it and predicted that Watford would win on Thursday night Babel. Is that what you're talking about, Brent? That's the one, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's he's the boldest. He's the boldest man I know. Um, he he thrives on. I have so much respect for it as, as someone who also tries to be quite bold. Um, and I knew straight away as soon as I heard it. I laughed. I was driving to work and I giggled. Because I think everyone was everyone non non Liverpool fans, so I were all hoping this would be the case. Um, even the Liverpool fan base, I was like sort of thinking new manager bounce could this be tricky as well. But Liverpool rocked up, uh, Mohamed Salah especially, and just handled business. Yeah, um, Liverpool are getting better. I think. Um, I've tried to tell you. I've been trying to tell everyone. Um. I I would say that um, I didn't think they were this good towards the start of the season. Um, yeah. I didn't think the <clears throat> I didn't think they'd win the league, but now I think they can. Um, I'm not saying they will. Um, I still think it's going to be tighter than we've seen, um, but uh, definitely. They have not surprised me. It would make it seem like they 
they're not a good side at all, but um they have I mean, my expectations of them weren't this high. Uh I think they've probably all hit levels that um they were hitting in their in their title winning season. Um so far anyway. Uh you know, there's not players out of form or, or players really injured like um like they had last season. Um but especially Salah um I think he has gone up a level. I've heard, you know, people saying like, oh people are um people are only giving Salah this recognition because he scored a couple of worldies. Um but he's been play he's been like this for a couple of years. I I I th- think he has been very good for a couple of years, but I don't think that's true. I think he actually has gone up a level. Um, Look at his pass what, for Mane's goal. First yeah, goal. yeah. I, I, <clears throat> then that is part of it too. Like his um, his vision and his um, his passing and his assisting um, is is much better. I think this season, and I, I think as well, like his he a He'd have maybe needed more chances. Um, I've seen Liverpool quite a few times this season, and he seems more clinical. I think that would be something that maybe Paddy would hold against them, is that he needs quite a few chances to score. Um, but uh, I mean, he's actually making chances out of nothing. Uh, I mean, his goal against Watford at the weekend there was—I don't know how many wriggle pass. Like it was at least three or four. And the, the the way he sort of stood on the ball and dragged it and then sat two players down with his right foot and, and bent it into that corner. I mean, it's absolutely world-class. Um, and it helps Liverpool now that um, even though Mane doesn't... We were talking about this after the game. Like, Mane doesn't appear to be playing well. Like, his general play, but he is scoring. And now, you know, it seems that from the weekend you've got You've got Firmino scoring goals too, and um, goal scoring is not is not a problem. And um, uh, you know it's the midfield as well. I think you know somebody had asked us um, a question, and you know we usually do questions at the end, but we get into it now about um, Liverpool's midfield and whether uh, they can you know keep up that form. Um, and in particular, uh, Navi Keita, and it's probably best for you to answer that question. Like, do you think he can maintain his current form? Because we've seen him kind of dip in and out since he's come come to Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with Keita, <clears throat> um, the Gini Wijnaldum role needed to be filled. Because uh, the thing with Wijnaldum as well... Uh, he did score obviously some big goals, but there's also moments in game games that you wouldn't really pay that much attention to, but are actually so pivotal, like um, tackles and winning the ball back and little passes to maintain possession to get Liverpool out of tight spots, um, to start attacks away from the back, like to start attacks three or four passes before a goal happens, things like that is what Naby Keita has been doing, and Watford was a prime example of that. There was, I think Liverpool were four 0 up. Which wouldn't have made a uh, master's uh, mark on, pardon me, the result. But Liverpool four 0 up, and, and Ishmael Sar goes to skip past. Um, I think he goes past Milner, and he's heading direction on goal, and kind of get, just gets back and 
bumps the ball off the ball and wins the ball back and retain possession. There was a lot of that happening, and there has been a lot of that happening from Kaida this season. I think yeah. when you talk about Liverpool's midfield, <clears throat> you have to include everyone in that. Um, and even the injured players, Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, who's back, Thiago, they've all had moments in games this year where they've all played well or done something. Thiago was excellent against Leeds. Harvey Elliott uh, was excellent at the start of the season before, unfortunately, he got injured. Um, Curtis Jones came in against Brentford, uh, scored and was really good against Porto. Again, he's man of the match against Porto. Then, think so. Like Fabinho will come back in. You'd reckon tomorrow night. So I think, I, I like I, I. You know, I've been saying this offer, and I've been saying to them, blue in the face. Too many people were far too quick to write Liverpool off. Far too quick to write them off. Um, people away from this Why podcast. Why do you think that was? I I think people just thought that they'd gone through the cycle, that the that that the cycle they were on where they won the league, they got two Champions League finals and and they won the league as well and they won one Champions League. Um, they'd gone through that now and and there hadn't been enough, uh, players brought in to replace and subside that. But I I don't think people understand the importance of how getting third last year was for this squad because. For even for the players that were out injured, for Nat Phillips and Reese Williams to come in and other players to come in, and Kelleher to play his part when Alston was injured and things like that, and for them to get over the line, I think that was humongous, just a humongous confidence booster for the rest of the squad to be like, you know what, like we've got something here, and and for the likes of Kanate to come in, Matip to come back, Gomez to come back, and Van Dijk to come back, yeah. you know, and then you've you've like the players like Firmino. As I come back from injury, and he just looks like he looks like the, the old Firmino. Yeah, he's so important. He was so important in the thing. You said Salah. He, he has gone up again a level. I think you're right. Mane is not playing well as in his build up play and taking players on isn't as as it was as dynamic as it was. But he'll get that because he, he keeps scoring goals. So he's going to keep playing if it, and if he keeps scoring goals, and we won't complain. So I just think it was. And it wasn't an ignorant thing. I don't think it was people being ignorant about it. I just think it was a case of people thinking, wow, look at this Chelsea side. Look at this Man City side from last year. We don't think Liverpool will have it. Now, some people were quite silly and how far they wrote them off. But I think, again, some of that was trolling from uh, people in the media. But um, I we will be right up there, I think, this season for the major honours. This Liverpool side, there's a, there's a belief. There's a real assurance about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be so interesting to see how they go across the season. We, we've we've a run of games now where it's Atletico Madrid tomorrow night, and United on Sunday, then it's the League Cup, then it's West Ham away, I think. Uh, United or no Atletico Madrid again, and then it's uh, West Brighton at home or something. So it's a run of fixtures. Brighton first, possibly, then yeah, then yeah. Atletico, then West Ham, yeah. Yeah, it's a run of fixtures which are hard, and I reckon if we come out of these next six games in in good nick. Um, we'll have a really, really strong season. I think they'll bounce on, and they'll have a, they'll be really, really, really a, for, a real force for through the whole season. So it's it's been it's been great. Like it's been a great start to the season. Tomorrow night will be at the Wonder Metropolitano will be absolutely uh, deadly. It's going to be such a tough, tough game. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I think this Liverpool side can go there and make a statement. So. And then obviously Sunday, which me and John will probably touch on as well on Thursday night, and you might want to get a point in here as well. Sunday against Manchester United is it, it's all it is it, it's a it's a big game obviously, but um, it'd be so interesting to see what what United turn up 
for that on Sunday. I'm sure we'll touch on Man United and Leicester, but I think be so. I, I I just I cannot see them being as poor as they were on Saturday on Sunday. And if they are on Sunday as poor as that, and they do get beaten, well then I don't I don't know where the club goes from there. Well, I know where they go from there. I know where I would go from there, but I don't know where they would go from there. Yeah, um, and we'll get into United um, after because there's there's points to pick out from that. Definitely, I think it's it's nearly the biggest story from the weekend. Um, but touching on Liverpool again, just um, obviously Atletico. I, I, I agree with you. I think Liverpool can go there and get something. Atletico haven't been. Um, the Atletico we really know, um, another one against Milan, but this season they've been kind of hot and cold. Um, but Liverpool, the the question that I actually want to ask you, it's not from a listener, it's just um, came into my head was, you know, what do you think could slow Liverpool down? Like, what do you think, or what are you most worried about happening? Um, well, it's like Salah getting injured or, mm, you know. Uh, the obvious one is, is uh, injuries, obviously, like to, to get, like like what happened last year. Obviously, Van Dijk injured and Matip and Gomez. Um, uh, apart from that, I don't really know. Like, I'll put this, I, I, I cannot wait to January 1st. I cannot wait to see where we're at. Both teams... Chelsea and Liverpool come January 1st. I think that's already, and it's months down the line. If the, with the way the two teams are going at the minute, I think that is such a humongous, stupidly humongous game for the first game of 2022. Um, yeah. And that's, Do you think Liverpool that's, will... Go ahead. Um, that's that's, <clears throat> that's going to be the teller. If, if they're both still in great, great shapes the way they are now, that's going to be the one that's going to tell everyone both either there's still a lot tones or one side's going to make a huge leap I think because um, that game um, that game at Anfield was was brilliant before before the sent off like yeah. it was a real sort of back and forth um, what was I going to ask you there um, I don't think there's anything in particular I'm worried about I genuinely think this Liverpool team have a they have a chip on their shoulder because of <clears throat> the injuries last year and they'll feel as well like last year would have been such a good year for them to kick on again because th- that doesn't happen. You know, that some like you don't get those chances to go back to back and things or to go after things again. Rarely, like, you know, rarely, you know, um, and we haven't had it anyway. Liverpool haven't had it for years and then for those three injuries all to happen and it's absolutely... Snookerous, like was just, and it's come up to a year, I think, since Van Dijk's injury now, um, just absolutely snookerous, and I, and I think there is, like, even Van Dijk, uh, he was talking today in his press conference about, you know, I know there's more eyes on me now because of what happened, and people are wanting to see, is he going to be as good as he was? Is he going to be, you know, the player he was? What level can he get at? And Van Dijk's like, I, I, I don't mind it. I welcome it all. I just, I know I have to keep improving. And there was a bit on, <clears throat> I don't know if you saw this, there's a bit on Saturday where I think it's Saar is running up against him and Van Dijk is running back towards goal and Saar's beside him and Van Dijk heads it backwards, back over Saar, controls it and then passes the ball away. 
He loves that one, doesn't he? He's done that before. He does love it, and to see him do it again, you're just like, oh, all right, okay. Okie dokes, he's back in the groove now. So, uh, yeah, tomorrow night will be telling for him, because he's up against Luis Suarez, and uh, João Felix and Antoine Griezmann, so mm-hmm. see how he gets on tomorrow night. But just like, you know, moments like that, you're just thinking, yeah, this, this Liverpool team looked a serious outfit again, so long may continue. Take they win the lead? I think I think they have as good a chance as Chelsea and City. Um and I I tell you what, I do fancy us Liverpool against either side in a one off game. At the minute. Mm. I do fancy that. I think as well, like and, and we can we can chat on Chelsea now too, um obviously and, and, and clear both our sides out of the way and then move on the podcast. I think like Chelsea like Liverpool were conceding chances and all before the international break and people were questioning maybe what's going on here whereas Chelsea weren't really because the defence is, un- is unbelievable I still can't believe Paul Scholes' comment for the start of the season but whatever um, but it's just my, my thing with Chelsea and I don't know what you, what you feel is is the goals just I know they're, they won the weekend but the goals just aren't flowing just yet mm. you know they're not hitting teams with Two or three nil wins as regularly as say Liverpool have done or or whatever they're just not getting that and it's I would you are you a little bit worried that there is a little bit of a drought on the goals or do you think it'll just click in? Um, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's probably my biggest worry at the minute. Um, I think the they're creating a you know it was okay, you know when Lukaku first came in, um. And he had those two sort of brilliant games, um, obviously against Arsenal, um, against Villa as well. Um, he was very good. But it's the service to him. I mean, the, I said the service to him. There was no service to him against Brentford. That's, that's the problem. I don't think Lukaku is the problem. I think if he gets service, he'll score. Um, and yeah. Tuchel's trying to figure out how to get that service to him. Um I mean he, he went with which I thought he would do, he went with um Werner and Lukaku and left um Havertz and Mount on the bench against Brentford. Um I don't know if that gets the best out of Lukaku. Um he, he needs a provider um and on on form the provider is is Havertz um, and Mount to an extent, um, but Havertz hasn't been on form, so that that's his issue. Pulisic as well would be a provider, but he's been injured all season. Um, Ziyech hasn't hit form. Like I, I don't know if he's gonna hit form at Chelsea. Um, he's had bad luck with with injuries, yes, but like he's he's been fit now for a while and um, he, he hasn't been doing it. Uh, there was there was sparks, you know, from the midfield uh, from Loftus Cheek at the weekend. He was very very good, I thought, for for the first sort of seventy five minutes anyway, until Brentford decided they were just going to wreak havoc. Um, but the 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 sort of the service is an issue, uh, um, and Tuchel needs to figure that out. I think if he if he can somehow get, um. Get Havertz back to form and uh, Loftus Cheek in a more advanced position, possibly. Um, 
he's been really, really good. Like, I don't know if you've seen much of Chelsea, but like in the last few games, he, he came on and then he started, and he started the last two games and he was Chelsea's best player apart from obviously Mandy at the weekend. He was Chelsea's best outfield player. Um, he, and the issue was, is that when he broke from midfield, he was breaking uh, with Kovacic and when he made the pass to Kovacic, Kovacic, it was up to Kovacic to, to play the final ball and he can't do that. He, he it's not, not his strength. It's, it's not what he does well. Um, he's never done it well. Um, you know, in the final third, he's, he's nearly the last man I'd want the ball. Like I'd prefer if Kante was breaking even with Loftus cheek. Um, because, Chelsea were doing that well. They contr- actually controlled most of that game um, at the weekend, but they don't only one shot on target. Um, and that was obviously the goal. Broke, just broke out. Quite lucky, actually, to Chilwell, and it was a great, great strike. Um, but the the service is the real issue. Um, and, you know, as good as I think Werner has actually been... Um, in the last few games, he obviously got a goal against Southampton, which he deserved. He he does put in a lot of work. Um, he's not he's not firing at all cylinders in terms of finishing. Um, and he's one who kind of cre- creates his own chances more. He had a couple of wild shots at the weekend, but Lukaku needs somebody to to feed him, and that will be my my biggest concern, as you mentioned. Um, Obviously, the there's injuries in the back line, um, but I think Rudiger and, and Thiago Silva are both back to full training. Um, I don't know if they'll be risked against Malmo, um, but uh, you know I'm sure they'll be back in for next week. So I think Chelsea's defence and obviously goalkeeper is fine. It's the as you mentioned, it's the lack of goals, and that isn't the problem. But the problem is the service for the lack of goals. If you if you understand me. Mm-hmm. It's <clears throat> you almost need like um, not that you almost need that's mad, but this is this was touched upon. <clears throat> pardon me about the Chelsea midfield, and you that your point is 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 uh, brilliant, and it's it's good that you're saying it because when other fans say something of your team, uh, you, you know you'll get wound up or you'll think what's he saying that. For example, when Steve and Jonathan do a podcast and they roast Liverpool and I end up on to trade both their houses and fight both of them. But on Chelsea, this was mentioned. Somebody else mentioned this. Someone on the TV mentioned this. Um, they talk about the lack of chances. And I brought it up in the podcast tonight. And you were mentioning the midfield um, creating the chances. And uh, what Tuchel needs to find with that. Um, pardon me. Liverpool won Champions League and the... Uh, league with no number 10. They had no Andre Pirlo, no Iniesta, um, who else, creative midfielders. N- no one like that, all right? They had no Hazard, nothing. They had three. De Bruyne. Out out. They had no De Bruyne, that's the one I was thinking of. They had no Gerard, they had no Lampard. They had three superb forward players. Uh, <clears throat> and they had three brilliant Brilliant midfielders that were absolute workhorses, but also they could pass. Like don't get me wrong, they could pass the ball, they could score goals, they could upset, set up chances. But they weren't out and out creative midfielders. Like you wouldn't look at them and think, "Oh my God, this is uh, Andre Pirlo, this is Ballon d'Or creative midfielder." Yeah. This is different. 
still brilliant. In my eyes, I'm biased, but still brilliant, still superb, still world class. So they went and got Thiago Alcantara to come in. Now he has played well in some positions, some games, but then he's been injured, so it's been stopped. I still think that'll work. They went and got Thiago because people thought they need some more big creativity in midfield. But I think that's a cop out sometimes for people to look at it, and I don't think Tuchel will do that. I think what Tuchel will do is he, as you said, he will look at this and he'll think. What what do I need to change here? And it's not necessarily that you can't change the midfield because they don't have a Hazard, don't have a Coutinho in his palm, they don't have such and such. You have who you have. You have two brilliant, brilliant world-class midfielders in, in Jorginho and Kante. Mm-hmm. You have Kovacic, who's brilliant as well. You have Saul, who's going to find his feet as well. Loftus-Cheek. And then you have your forwards. And what I think he needs to do is change some of the forwards' positions. You have Pulisic and Ziyech and Havertz and Werner. And then you have Lukaku. There's a way he can get around that and he can still create all these chances by bringing those players together. Now, we had a different number nine. We have Roberto Firmino. He sort of fills that role of a number 10. He started off as an attacking midfielder, so he knows sort of that type yeah. of thing. So maybe it's a you drop Havertz into there. Possibly Lukaku goes a little bit wider, but he wouldn't go too far wide, obviously, because that isn't his natural position. Possibly he just goes a little tiny bit wider of Havart still centrally, and then you'd have someone else on the other wing that would just cause havoc. Do you know? I think yeah. people sometimes look at football and formations and they think you have to always go in straight lines. So it has to go 4-3-3 three, three, three flat, and so it's 3-3-4, three, three and four, or... And they're all in straight lines beside each other, but you don't have to do that. You could have Havertz and and Lukaku sort of lopsided centrally, maybe one little side over the right, and then you could have someone absolutely out and out in the left that would just cause chaos down that left. You also yeah. have to bring in your your fullbacks, so there is That's something cool. still needs to click at Chelsea, I think. Yeah. That's that's the point. That you, the point you make about the fullbacks is is the point I was going to make. It just when you're talking about Liverpool, like their biggest creators were their fullbacks, mm-hmm. and Chelsea. I don't think I know Rhys James is injured, but I don't think they make the most out of especially Rhys James um, because yeah. I think if he's given the, the the freedom um, to even go go beyond, like say it's, it's a Mount or Havertz who are playing. The, the most popular thing Tuchel has done, so you know, is have Lukaku through the middle and Mount and Havertz with him as like two number tens, basically. And mm-hmm. if you're gonna do that, they can drop in more centrally a bit, and your your Reece James particularly, and and your Ben Chilwells or Marcus Alonso, but it looks like Chilwells back into the team now can bomb past them and those players can go more centrally and, and they can be your providers um, yeah. because they both have the quality to, to do that. And I think, again, more so Reese James. And I think we've seen flashes of it, but it's something that I think they could, they could definitely use more, especially now with Lukaku. I think Reese James, you know what? You, you exactly saw it. If you go back and watch that Chelsea Arsenal game, Reese James was was Chelsea's highest player a lot of the time. He yeah. he set up um, Lukaku's goal and he scored that game as well, just from getting into such high positions. I think if you get those two high and wide, it's just gonna like that is exactly what Lukaku wants. Um, I mean, Aspilicueta was playing that position, and it, 
and I know Reese James obviously come on, but and he's been injured, but he just with the age of him and the the he's more defensive minded, he's not gonna give you that. Like he if he's crossing the ball, he's crossing it from you know nearly between the halfway line and the on the eighteen yard box. He'll take a few more trend goes. Yeah, you know, and cross from deep. Um but 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 I think Trent offers you more um like Reese James can where he can get beyond and he can play a one two yeah. with with one of those number tens and, and get beyond and swing in crosses from high up the pitch. Um so I think that's that's something that we'll, and we we'll possibly haven't seen it because Chilwell was out of form because of the Euros and, and Reese James has been injured, but you know, it's maybe something that we'll uh, we'll hopefully see going forward. But yeah, the the other quick point is about Chelsea that they yes, they haven't been scoring goals that many goals, but and the main they have been getting results um on yeah. the top of the league. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is the team that are top of the league at the minute that we're talking yeah. about and it, it's as if I'm really complaining about them, but um on the whole, it's been good, and they have played some difficult games. They've, they've, you know, difficult games out of the way, um, and hopefully, as they grow together, um, and they'll be coming into a good spell of games now where they can hopefully do that. You know, they should, should, and I know it's a big thing to say, but like they should win their next six games, pretty handy. Um, so. You know, if there's suddenly, you know yourself, like if if there's a couple of two or three nil wins, and you maybe get more than that as Liverpool did at the weekend, um, players just grow in confidence and um, they'll know each other's games after that. Um, and you would what hope that they, they go on from there. What are they? Six teams. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously they've Malmo and then they've Norwich at the weekend, then Southampton in the cup. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle, Malmo, and again, and then Burnley. All right, yeah. So they're into a good patch, you would yeah. think, uh, of games where they can get things going. I think, <clears throat> pardon me, the Reese James, the Reese James one is certainly interesting because um, he's a superb def- defending uh, fullback. I think there's no argument there, and he's such a he's such a strong boy too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a unit, but. I feel anyway we we haven't seen nowhere near enough, and it's not just his fault of of what he can offer attacking ways because there's been times where he has shown, as you said, the Arsenal match, he's shown glimpses and he's shown spells, but it's almost like he hasn't been given the creative freedom yet, yeah, or the license. Whereas obviously Trent is. Like, I mean, Trent's Liverpool's best playmaker. I mean, there's there's no well, Salah's doing right out too at the minute, but yeah. there's no other question about it, Trent, and and. You saw Trent was obviously out injured, missed a game, a few games, uh, came back on uh, Saturday and was just sublime again when someone was passing. So we'll see how he gets on tomorrow night if he gets as much space as he did, to be fair, um, with Vicky Field mm-hmm. at the Wanda Metropolitano. Um, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the biggest, uh, one of the best game of the weekend, possibly, um, and, and one of the biggest results. Not I wouldn't call it a shock. I don't think Leicester... Winning against United, Liverpool, or Chelsea, or Man United—you can't call that a shock anymore, because no. they're a good side. But uh, it was probably the nature of Leicester's win. It, it, 
United did get it back to two all on the eighty but ninth minute or whatever it was <clears throat> before Leicester made it three two after fourteen seconds from the restart. But they they battered Manchester United on Saturday um at the King Bar. Yes. Um United were it was it was strange because from from quite early on, um, I think it was you know still one each. Um, United were it was coming. The, the lesser goal was coming, and that was the only thing that was coming. Um, United were out of the game. Um, they actually a two two. Um, they would have been still in a point, I think. And I think, you know, a lot of United fans would say the same um, if they watched the game. Uh, you know, there was there was such a... The, the problem is, it's not Ronaldo's fault, but he is the cause of the problem. Um, yes. Uh, we've spoken think. about it. What? That's what you think. I'm not saying anything in the week that's leading up to Liverpool playing. Uh, oh, that's fair enough. Trafford. I'm not getting well, myself well, in trouble. Well, I can I can say it then. Um, and you're not the biggest fan. fan. Yeah, like individually, he's he's unbelievable. Um, he has been for years, um, but this this style um, that he he forces you to play because you have to play him. He's Ronaldo. Um, doesn't suit anyone else playing for United, um, and that's just the long and short of it. Like they, if they had, if that team, I think at the weekend was spearheaded by Cavani, I think you'd have seen a, a big yeah. difference in performance. Um, there would would have maybe been yes, obviously the Lindelof Maguire partnership at the back is. Just wild and just chaotic, and I cannot believe. Actually, I'll just go back to that. That Paul's goals said that United had a better defense than Chelsea. They conceded more goals at the weekend than Chelsea have all season. Um, so there's a reason why that we Ginger Prick isn't on any other oh. um broadcast uh, station anymore. Like BT have slowly been shipping them out, um, because you know. That's a ridiculous statement, but anyway, um, Maguire and Lindelof. Yes, Maguire's just come, probably came back from injury too soon. Um, Bissaka, you know, Steve will tell you, um, he's he's not he's not consistently great as a defender. He's he, his head's a bit all over the place. Um, Shaw's been exposed a wee bit in the in the last couple of games, um, so we we would have probably seen Leicester score goals, but I think it was so easy for them for Leicester to to play through United and get get to that defence so quickly and so easily mm-hmm. because there was no protection, there was absolutely zero protection. Like they were able to play out from the back. United sort of half pressed like Sancho and Greenwood maybe you know half committed but nobody else was doing it with them so it didn't matter if they were going or not so the sort of you know 
half went to the to the player on the ball, but there was times when Soyuncu especially was was um being pressed a wee bit by Greenwood and he was able to get the ball out to Castagna and there was no pressure on him then, you know, it wasn't a consistent the whole team goes. Um because and it comes because Ronaldo doesn't do that. Like he he relies on everyone else to do that and there's not enough players um for that United team in that United team, sorry, to do a, a full press. So they're ending up in this sort of in between and leaving big gaps that a half decent team like Leicester and you know the teams that we've seen get results against United this season able to do. Um mm-hmm. and it's 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 a big problem and it's something that maybe a a more experienced, better coach um could work out. But Solskjaer hasn't been able to do it so far and it's a problem. I think I think you I think you're right. I think I don't think I don't think United fans can argue with this. There there is a, there is a problem with <clears throat> Ronaldo. Not so much like he won't press. But yeah, we we that we can he's see that <laughs> he's not going to. He doesn't obviously. It's not for him to do. So how do they how do they fix this? And, and the problem for Solskjaer is, and I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I kind I feel a bit sorry for him here because you look at this United squad. And how's he going to fix this? Because he needs to fix it. This is a, this is a massive week. Now, we were talking to our brother-in-law, Brian, a uh, big listener on the show. Hello, Brian. Hello, baby Molly. Um, uh, y- yesterday, <clears throat> United could go out here on Sunday and beat Liverpool because of the attacking power they have and the fact that Liverpool and United games form never really matters. It sort of just depends on the day. It's just one of those games. But yeah. the, the problem for Solskjaer is he, they have far too much to go forward with the midfield is obviously massive and a lot, of, a lot of United fans seem to be blaming the fact in the midfield but there's nothing you can do now until January so how can you make such a, a bit of a subtle difference to this they need us as you said you touched on it's brilliant they need us and Cavani in there because of what he offers the press he offers the pressure he can put on defenders never gives up it, it makes a massive difference yeah. what do you do next though because you, if he doesn't pick Ronaldo <clears throat> That's going to cause a problem if he doesn't pick Ronaldo, and and uh, they they get thumped or beat. He's obviously massively up against it. If he doesn't pick Ronaldo, but they win, Ronaldo's not happy. So so he has to pick Ronaldo. So then you're going right. If Ronaldo and Cavani have two up top, what do I do next? Like where do I go? Where do I go with Greenwood? Rashford came on, scored a brilliant goal. Big up Mar- Marcus Rashford. I, I love Marcus Rashford. Everybody knows that anyway, even if he does play for Manchester United. Um, then you've Bruno, Pogba, um, Sancho, Sancho, Jesse Lingard has, has come back in and he's played well in some games too when he's come on. Where, like, where does he go next year? And how does he? Like, he's he has an impossible task, I think, as well. So it's got he's got himself into of how he's going to pick. This United side, plus the fact that Donny Van de Beek seems to have royally pissed him off the moment he arrived and won't get a game time, won't get any game time. Yeah. So there's so like it is they, they are like they're the Galacticos that Real Madrid got themselves when they went and got Beckham and Ronaldo and Zidane, where they couldn't after they'd won that uh, uh, Champions like Champions League at Hampden Park, and they, they didn't know what to do next when they had all these players. 
and they didn't know how to, 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 to fit everyone into the side. And this is the way United are. They just look completely and utterly lopsided. The Maguire thing, Harry <laughs> Maguire didn't have a good game on a, on, oh. on, on Saturday. He wasn't, he clearly wasn't fit. He clearly wasn't fit. He was, he didn't look match sharp. He, he just looked completely off. Like even the, the fourth goal for Dhaka, he looks lost. Um, he, and it's a look, indictment. He looks lost as in, some people say like, oh, you, you know, he looks lost on the football pitch. He looked lost, like a lost person looks, looks lost in he general. He looked like he was lost in, uh, he's like six lost in Marks and Spencer's Superstore in Sprucefield in Lisburn and hadn't a clue where his man was. He literally was looking around him like, what is going on here? And he hadn't a clue. And I, I was looking at it, I was laughing at it again. I was thinking, like that man, that man genuinely looks like he he's lost. Like he, yeah. he needs to go to the checkouts and call for his mother to come and get him. He looked like somebody just dropped him in the middle of a forest and he was looking around him like, where the, am I here? The, as well, like, Shaw's form has been a bit uh, worrying for United. It's sort of dropped off from the Euros. So it is such a strange thing. that now, As I said, they, they could have a great week. They could beat Atlanta. They could beat Liverpool. They still have such... A, they have that attacking talent. They could beat Liverpool. But it is very... It was so strange watching it. And, and the... Just the non-existence of anything in midfield. And Rogers, I heard in the second captain's podcast today, they highlighted it. Rogers was talking about how we beat them. Basically in his press conference, he says, well, we sort of realised, you know, that they weren't going to press and they weren't going to, we could just go, go through them in midfield and then put them under severe pressure. I mean, like talk about obviously roasting someone, but also, um, hurling yourself out for the United job too, Brenton. Um, by talking about what was going wrong with those tactics, but even the, the next man that comes in there is it, it, going to be like going to have to get rid of something. And, and I, I just, I, I just don't know where you go to next. The one thing I would do and has to happen is if he's fit and if he's ready to go, Cavani has to play. Cavani has to yeah. play. I think he, I think he is so important at United side, and I, I, I kind of think it. I would go with, now this might backfire, and it's nothing to do with what's coming up during the week. I just think tomorrow night or Wednesday night, I would go with Cavani and Greenwood and possibly Rashford, and always only back as your starting three. I think that is a three there that can give you what you need. Sancho, take him out of the firing line. It's not just happening just yet from it will because he's stupidly talented. And you bring an angry Ronaldo on with 30 minutes, 35 minutes to go again, and, and if he's not happy, stuff it. But you bring him on, that's, that's the way I would go. I think just he, that, that front three, at the minute, offers United what they need to substitute just exactly what is going on with the breakup, everything else behind. Yeah, um, because th- there's also talk of playing Ronaldo and Cavani. Um, yeah. And I just don't know if United have the players to be able to do that either. Because what do they do? If, you, if you do that, what do you do with the midfield? You go four four midfield. So let's pretend we're, we're God. I'll be Mike Feeling because I'm small and chubby, and you can be uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Let's just um, uh, pretend. No. So we're <laughs> we're picking this team on Wednesday night, and we're we're going to go right. We're going to go with two. We're going to go with Cavani and Ronaldo, which is wild, by the way, that those two mm. are in the same team together. What do you need from that? Okay, what we need is we need width in the midfield because we're going to need to get balls into the box for these two to just head everything home, like a young Brendan Hagen for Sandy Hill on Saturday. So who, what do you do next then? So 
the back four, obviously, you leave that at the minute. But who, what's your midfield? Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's <laughs> they don't have like wingers. Um, I mean, the tell is that they can play at fullback. So if you went three at the three centre halves, two fullbacks, three, three five two. Yeah, it's possibly the only way that can fit. So you could go Tellez and Shaw. Now, actually, Tellez will be on the wrong side, but we'll worry about that later. Um, because Wamasak is not going to offer you that <laughs> the the cross and the passing that you need here. So you go with that. Then mid your defence is Maguire, Lindelof, and Bay for tomorrow night. Holy smokes! <laughs> I can actually hear Steve screaming. Um, <laughs> and then your midfield is Pogba. Fernandez has to be on it. Fernandez, obviously, yeah. And. Um, Doesn't work. I'm sorry. Like, Pog- I'm not happy with that thing. <laughs> I know, I know. But listen, Pogba, Fernandez, and. Lingard? What? And then. Then oh, like, are you going to play Sancho in midfield? No, but I don't know. Like, who's sitting there? Pogba? <laughs> uh, you want to play Maric? Oh, McTominay. Sorry, is he fit? Is McTominay fit? Um, I think he is fit, yeah. If, if McTominay's fit, then you go McTominay. But do you need someone to sit if you have three, three uh, bruises at the back? Well, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm... I'm not particularly happy with those three being the only protection for David De Gea. <laughs> for De Gea, it's going to have to have a wonder season. Um, yeah, I, I, like it's a problem. That, like we, yeah, it's a huge problem. And, and like we're like Steve is not all. He's the resident United fan. He's not all his biggest fan. Uh, we've said it enough times that we don't think all he's good enough to win Manchester United. What they need to win, but there also is the caveat too. Now he was involved in probably in some of the negotiations to sign certain players. Um, I'd like to think there's a caveat too that um, for Solskjaer when you look at it, that he has such a lopsided squad that where do you, how do you figure this out and even the next man in what's he going to do to figure this out it could be Conte comes in he probably just tells Ronaldo to do one mm. um, knowing him but you know where do you go from next so there is there is a case of that too to look at it when you're talking about Solskjaer and the criticism of United. They are in a. He is in a position where his side is that lopsided that I'm not sure anyone would know what to do. Yeah, and and the point you made about Liverpool, the game against Liverpool, like and you know the play City too in the next few weeks, um, is that he he definitely has something about him that is I hate this phrase, but they always use it, the United way. The, you know, because he's played, because he, he understands the mentality of the club and obviously had Fergie for years as a manager. Um, is that he can get something into those players for those big games, but it's, it's detrimental. We're seeing it now that it's detrimental because he obviously can't. Well, here's the thing, Brenton, as well. He was able to do that. He had some great results. And then Liverpool turned up down Old Trafford in the last year after the game was postponed because of protest. Beat Man United. And then the biggest game 
was the Europa League final and they were non-existent. So I'm wondering, has some of that gone? You saw Pogba's comments, you know, coming something out after the game. And something has to change. We've been having these, making these silly mistakes, having these results for too long now. And you wonder, are some of these players looking around going, like, what is he, why is he here? What is he doing here? And I don't know, it'd be interesting to see. Um, he has had that where he can get results in the big games, you're right. But then there was that sort of last year where he, he didn't towards the end of the season and you're just wondering maybe that if, cause if that has gone, if they do get, if they do have a really, really bad week, you'd imagine the pressure on him cranks up to a whole new level. So, um, and that people have said, oh, he does do this. Like he had that game against PSG one. He does manage to work himself out, but that's fine. Right, they have been able to beat Liverpool, beat Liverpool in the cup last year. They beat Manchester United, they beat Chelsea. But and this isn't an ignorant thing, and it's going to sound ignorant. They'll beat, they might beat our teams on the Solskjaer, but you still be like, it's not going to matter at the end of the season for yeah. for them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, all right, but we still, you know, don't think you're going to win the major trophies at the end of the season because we don't think Solskjaer will be able to get enough results. Yeah, because they're getting beat by young boys. They're getting beat by Aston Villa. They're getting beat by Leicester. Um, you know, that's the that's the problem about only being able to, you know, ride that emotion for big games, um, and not have much sort of tactical know-how for if teams present you with a low block or. Or something similar, you know, or like Leicester at the weekend. Um, are you able to play a three? Um, mm. it's, and something might change, you know, as, as Pogba said, maybe Solskjaer can get into them. That I think there, I saw a stat that there wasn't a United player in like the top 10 or top 12. I'm not sure what the exact, um, stat was, but, yeah, there wasn't a United player in the top ten or twelve um players in the league this season in terms of pressures per ninety minutes. Like they they all um came from the the Liverpools, the the cities, there was a few from Chelsea. I think Werner was quite high on that list. Um the if Solskjaer can get that into because there's there's players that are Greenwood and Sancho are capable of it and they all just need to do it for Ronaldo if they want to sacrifice themselves for the team and for him because that it's kind of the same thing um because you know that if you do that um and he's presented with chances he's going to score but it's just about how much it it costs you at the other end if you don't do those things and we saw that at the weekend yeah it's it, it they're they're such an interesting story. Like I, th- I feel like every podcast we're going to be talking about them because they are such an interesting story this season. You know, um, because you do feel like it's not going to go the way that the fans want to go and the club expects this season. So just with the signings that have been made and obviously Ronaldo being there, you're just waiting to see what's going to happen. Where's the explosion going to come from? Where? Something does happen, say Solskjaer does get sacked, or there's a fall, you know, you're just waiting on it now because you're just like this, this whole storyline, this whole thing, what's going on, the results just mad, like, but, um, 
Definitely, they've such a huge, huge week, and we'll probably touch about on 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 Thursday night, me and Johnny, um, uh, on, on, on the how they get on. And yeah, like that's what I wanted to touch on just briefly. I still don't know what it's about. I, I just saw it come up earlier when I was in work on uh, uh, one of my tea, one of my tea breaks. Um, where I only get one tea break, by the way, in case bosses listen. And uh, <laughs> wink, wink. that they're gonna that they're gonna protest again. And like, obviously, yes, they've picked this game because this is uh, the biggest game but like, what what is it about this time I don't un- I don't understand this I don't yeah they're probably if you're still annoyed at the owners that's fair enough but where was this when you signed Ronaldo yeah or Varane it was all, or Sancho it wasn't there like. it was all ha- happy happy clappy when when they got yeah. him back in and you know I didn't see any of the uh, the Green and Gold Brigade. Um, yeah. it, it was all Viva Ronaldo. Like, the, you remember that first game at Old Trafford? Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of laughable to be honest. Like, they have a few bad results and, um, and that's what happens. <laughs> I, you know, either stick to it or, or, you know, Get rid, you know, get rid of that idea because it's it's like half in, half out. You can't pick and choose when you want this to be an issue. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Steve would say the same. Um, but yeah, I think a, a wider point on that is is that Liverpool um, should definitely be aware of this. A protest at the weekend, and if it if it ends up having to be postponed or or whatever, United should. It's up to United, you know. It's it's their fans, it's their stadium. They should be the ones who get into bother for this, and it it didn't happen last time. And if it happens again, Liverpool should be very quick on the case to um to say, listen, give us the three points for this because. Um, we we saw the the absolute um scenes last uh, last season that, that ended up in the game having to be replayed and um nothing did did I just get fined or something I don't even know if anything think so. happened yeah but I mean that's uh, I don't think anything I don't think they were punished or anything like uh, game wise no. or anything like that but uh, look if it happens again and if the game's suspended and postponed back um. I think I think they'll have to possibly get deducted the points. I don't want or, or, or maybe the game in order to put, I don't want that to happen. I just don't know how they fit the game in due to the calendar. Because yeah. um, we've seen what's going on already. There's just far too much. Maybe in that two week break that there's meant to be for teams, two week winter break they play it in the middle of it. Um, maybe they do that or something. I'm not sure, but uh, look protest. All he's want. If he's feel strong enough about something, go and protest. Go and make your voices heard. That's fine. Um, but be consistent with it would be my uh, call. You know, yeah, don't definitely. don't just do it now because you're you were chinned by Leicester at the weekend. You're not happy with a few results. Do you know what I mean? Don't don't just do it now. Like do it do it the whole way through the season. Do it even when you do sign Cristiano Ronaldo and Rafael Varane. Make a song and dance. Certainly, because you've signed these players, but also stand up and make it known 
if they have done and we haven't seen it, fair enough, someone can point me in the direction of that, but, um, yeah. Did we have any other listener questions in general, Brent? Did we get anything back from the old listeners? Um, we got a, a, a question from someone we both know quite well. Um, and I'll let to guess who it was from. They asked, is Mo Salah better than Messi? <laughs> Well, it's not Paddy Rancho. Well, obviously, he does the same. I don't know. Who, who, who was that from, Britain? That's from a certain mud man. <laughs> Cousin mud. Um, is Mohamed Salah better than Lionel Messi? Uh, no, he's not better than Lionel Messi. Is he in better form than Lionel Messi currently? I would argue possibly yes. Um, but Lionel Messi is the greatest footballer of all time, so no, <laughs> Mo Mo's not the greatest footballer of all time. Um, but he is certainly um, having an unbelievable season, and obviously I want the long to continue. Mo Salah has been talked about a lot this week, Brenton, as possibly be winning the Ballon d'Or. Now I don't think he can win it this year myself because of Liverpool not winning any trophies last year, and that does seem to count. Um, yeah. You never know. Players could look at it and think of what the form he's in and think, you know what, well, actually, whatever. I think I'll be a mad surprise. One player that wasn't included in the Ballon d'Or list, though, Brenton, and I wanted your opinion on this, um, Edward Mendy. Now, yeah. I must apologise, Edward Mendy, for doubting him um, because I didn't. I thought maybe he could be improved on. He has been absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable, Brenton. Yeah, he's... Um it's funny with a keeper. He's your best player, like, I think, at the minute. He's your most informed player in your top yeah, of the league. Yeah, and it's like, it's good and bad, you know what I mean? Like Because if your keeper is unbelievable, it obviously means that he's making loads of saves and, and you know, you're conceding a lot of chances. Um, but Jeepers, uh, that, that game against Brentford, he was... Um, you know, I think Thomas Frank was was laughing at times, um, and <laughs> I wasn't. Bradford actually uh, put up a a funny video as well, just of the the co- uh, compilation of the shots and the saves, and just not being able to get past yeah. them. Um, he he was just a, a brick wall, um, and he's. I think he's um, last season there was a few times that he struggled with his feet. I think he's got slightly better in that department and hopefully will continue to do so, obviously. Um, working with... Um, I think that's where where Kepa is, is better. Um, and they seem to have a really good relationship, which is good. Um, you might see Kepa playing against Malmo and, and in the next couple of games, definitely in the, um, in the League Cup as well. Um, and he's been good when he stepped in as well. So Mandy's had to keep his performances up. Um, but his shot stopping is is just wild. He, he's he's so um, he's so athletic and he he comes out really well. Um, and he's I think you just have to be a bit wild as a keeper anyway. But he's absolutely no fear. Like the, the I can't remember who it was, but. Um, the one that I thought was in was um, a ball was played sort of diagonally across the Chelsea box and 
Bradford player took a touch and just absolutely smashed it. And then he just came out and let it hammer his head um, and made an unbelievable save. He's, um, yeah, I think it, it, all this, the stats, like last season, um, I think Chelsea only conceded, it's conceded the least uh, goals in a Champions League run um, ever um, for the winners. Um, I think his his save percentage this season is the highest in the Premier League by a good bit. I think they do expected saves now as well. Um, so yeah, he's he's hitting all the top numbers, and I think pe- this is we and and people who watch a lot of football would have seen for you know a while um, how good of a keeper he is, but I think this. Uh, this game at the, at the weekend sort of um, highlighted it to the to the wider football population how good he really is. And I think you know there's a couple of Chelsea players that put up at the weekend about how how has he not made the shortlist for the Ballon d'Or? And I I don't know what the reason for that is. I don't even know if there's any keepers on it. But um, I mean he's he's surely a shoe into win that Yassine award, which is obviously specifically for keepers. I don't know if, yeah. if they just try and separate them out, but um, I'm pretty sure keepers have been on the Ballon d'Or list before, haven't they? Yeah. Um, obviously, Yashin was the last one to win it, but the likes of like, Alison was on it recently, he was in the Ballon d'Or list. Um, yeah. All Black, I'm not sure, has probably been there. De Gea, Bound have been there, so he was the best goalkeeper in the, in the world for ages. Neuer as well, Buffon? obviously. Buffon, yeah, like, man, like I, I, my thing with Mendy was he just looked to me, he looked, I don't know if it was awkward or something. He just didn't look, he, he was confident, but he just look, didn't just didn't look as confident as I was used to looking at Allison, obviously, Allison Becker. But he's just been so unbelievable at times for Chelsea this season, and like even his save on. The save from the overhead kick on the ninety first minute. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, I was on my feet hoping that had gone in. <laughs> and <laughs> then he he palms it on to the crossbar and, and he is like in my opinion now, especially this season, in my opinion Alison for me, because of what he's done he's always my number one. But I'm best. But there's Alison and All Black and then there's Mendy. They're all three of them on the same level, I think. There's not yeah. a I wouldn't distinct between the three of them now. I think three of them, they're all maybe a little bit better in some aspects and maybe each other, but on, as if you melted them all down on a par, like like Allison's passing range and his feet is probably better than the other two. Yeah. But then you could say maybe possibly Allison. See, the thing with Allison as well is, not that they make us about Allison Becker, he makes saves look so easy at times, whereas the two other goalkeepers... They're easy for them, but they they make them spectacular at times. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Whereas Allison, Allison is bigger than I think people realize. His frame is a bit bigger, and he makes stuff look relatively easy. Where it's obviously not, and it's not for him either. Do, do you know what I mean by that? And the other two keepers do the same thing, but it might just look a bit more dramatic. But it is still brilliant, unequal levels, brilliant saves. And I just think like, for, like it's such such a bargain, such a buy for Chelsea oh. to bring in. To go and do so, I'm really, really pleased for him because uh, I like I like Mendy and I do like watching him as a goalkeeper. I think he's brilliant. Like so, I, and I just yeah, don't understand how he didn't get the recognition. I think that's. I also think, to be honest, if Jorginho wins it, is wild too. 
Um, <laughs> he's been great, and he's won the European Cup, obviously. Uh, yeah, and he's won um, he's won the European Championships and he's won the Champions League. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's the best player in the world. Um, <laughs> but we, we'll obviously see what happens. But like, I think Chiesa had more of an impact on the Euros than Jorginho, for at least just to use an example. I was watching Chiesa last night for you about this. But I do think yeah. he is worthy of being mentioned in that. Obviously, I'm not saying that. But, yeah, the Ballon d'Or main test, when it comes up, I just want to touch on that, though, because, obviously, mainly hadn't been mentioned um, yeah. for Ballon d'Or. And I also want to ask you, as well, and, and talk to finish off the podcast this week, Newcastle played yesterday, Brenton. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were beat, obviously, uh, by Spurs. Beat, beat quite comfortably by Spurs. It's been such a weird and strange sort of week because of them taking over as well because you don't want to like I'm one of my best friends obviously and he's he's gonna hopefully sit down with me this week and we're gonna record a bit of a podcast for the battle is a Newcastle fan I've mentioned him plenty of times Fletch he's a Newcastle supporter he is obviously delighted that Ashley's gone which is grand but I think he's still possibly a little bit unsure of what to do about the new ownership which I get and I get that from a Newcastle fan, not sure what to be at. The Newcastle fans, though, that are turning up with towels on their heads, turning up dressed um, as Saudis. Uh, one one was dressed as a Saudi and he had his son dressed as a camel yesterday before the game. Yeah. These fans celebrating things, having a go at other people if they're trying to raise what has gone on with Saudi dictatorship. These fans can get fucked, in yeah. my opinion. These fans... Um, can absolutely do one and and it's part of I think why a lot of people are sort of thinking well I wouldn't mind seeing Newcastle get relegated to see what happens like he, my, my dad's second team is Newcastle he loves Newcastle he loves the Geordies absolutely adores them loves Newcastle Brian Hill probably which helps Um, and we was with him yesterday and he was saying like he didn't want Newcastle to get relegated but he's like I, I just can't I can't warm to them now and warm to this do you yeah. know it is it's sad in a way it's the most blatant, blatant sport washing campaign that we've ever seen. And sport's full of it, like, sport is full of it. But this is the most blatant and most obvious one that's going on. And it's, I feel for the Newcastle fans that are torn by this and don't know what to do. I feel for the Newcastle fans that have been waiting for have their club back and now they're not sure what to do. I also feel for the ones that, you know, were enjoying yesterday, but still had that doubt in the back of their mind. That's yeah. a tough place to be at. That's right. And fair pay to the ones that don't Yeah uh, yeah and fair pay to the ones that don't care, you know that that's that's you, you be you boo. If you don't care, turn on. But I think to be completely ignorant of the whole thing and to be so aggressive and so just um just not acknowledge exactly what has been going on, exactly what happened to Jamal Kasoglu to know exactly what happens to the LGBTQ community and there's a brilliant piece by Adam Craft and the Athletic on this heartbreaking piece about how things go on like, like I, I just think that side of it I just I, I hate I hate what has been coming out of people around, around that side and and yeah. I would like people to have a better bit of a social conscious and maybe think about these things but Roy Smith made a brilliant uh, point on a podcast about this he says, if you if you get into a conversation with Newcastle fans or, or with any group of fans, sorry, on Twitter, or if you're into a conversation with a group of them and you make a comment about their team, they'll bounce on you and they'll stand up for the team. We all do it. But if you sit down 
and like me and you're having now and have a, a conversation about something that you can have a conversation and you'll get out of what people maybe think and I think there's some Newcastle fans need to do that take stock of why people are saying these things take it in and not just instantly bounce on the articles or the or the points that are being made and maybe look at what's why they're being made before then you gain you garner your reaction but we'll see it it's so weird like it's such a it's such a and, and you know what else as well Fox guy for yesterday and the way they got on to mm. that was absolutely yeah. stupid like Jamie Redknapp coming out and saying about fans don't care did he not remember the Super League protests was I mean, he not there so for fresh. any of those games now it should be so fresh in his memory yeah and fans don't care who the ownership is. Was he? Did he not see Newcastle fans for the last fourteen years? No, he didn't see the heartache and the pain going on. Them begging to have their club back for the last fourteen years. No, he oblivious to all that or something. Was he in living yeah. a different world or what? Giving up their I, season tickets and like like yeah, flesh, you know. Yeah, flesh and stuff. That breaks my, that story breaks my heart. Like thinking of that, like having to miss it with your dad, like. That is specifically because they care who their owner was. That's why they did it. Yeah. Like, um, he's, he's talking about as well, like, Martin Tyler kept mentioning about, I had to turn Sky off. I had to mute Sky and I had to put Five Live on um, because they were they were more balanced. Um, but, like, uh, Tyler talking about the ownership now and what's, been, what's coming in. And, like, Sky obviously can't. Sky are loving this. Because Sky have another, the Sky have another team now. They can build a storyline around. They've, they have more money coming into the league, which is you know their league, their MBT's league, because they dictate when games are being played. For God's sake, um, so they they're loving all this. They're loving this. Like, like look what we have now. Um, but it's just another team for Super Sunday. Another team for Super Sunday. I hated all that nonsense that was going on yesterday. I hated constantly seeing the owners. Um, in the stands, like stop going up to there. Like, do you know what I mean? If if, if anything, even though it's annoying, who's took over the club? What Sky should have done yesterday was just make it about fans, make it about the fact that for the first five or ten minutes, St James's Park was absolutely bouncing, and, and that goal when Callum Wilson scored, how bouncing it was. Show the Gallagher end constantly. Show fans in the stand constantly. Don't show us the owners. Nobody wants to see the owners. Nobody cares. But um. Yeah, it, it's it. This is going to run and obviously run and run, run. It's going to be talked about all the time. What happens next? And I mean, they're nineteenth now. <laughs> uh, they could be out of sight by the time January comes. With they try and get their shiny new footballers in, and who's going to want to go there then? Uh, Philip Coutinho is going to want to go to Newcastle in January if they're nineteenth. Don't think so. Yeah, let's hope so. So we'll see. Uh, like, uh, what what did you make of? Of all this yesterday, what what were you feeling watching it? Um, yeah, I thought it was the the, the Saudi flags were the ones that got me. Like people yeah. draped in the in the flags and like what that really represents. Like it, uh, and I saw um you know some Newcastle fans like updating their. Their Twitter bows with Saudi flags, and you know their their bars at home. They've they've got the Saudi flag hanging proudly. Like as you say, if they stop to think, or if they have a conversation with 
the people who are on the other side of it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's upsetting really. Um, and I, I thought maybe naively that once this happened, which you obviously no one apart from Newcastle fans wanted it to happen, um, was that maybe the Newcastle fans could, could rally and, and could, you know, try and change as much as they could the, the opinion, um, of the, of the owners of the, the Saudi state, you know, and if not change the opinion, make them aware that they're not in agreement with it. But within a week, they're, they're dressing up. They're, they're, um, you know, uh, going against journalists um, on Twitter so harshly. They're, you know, we've seen in different group chats. Um, they've, they've, you know, built up arguments um, in, in favour of of their new owners without anyone really, you know trying to start a conversation about it you know it's yeah it's really disheartening um the lgbtq community and that article in athletic and then hearing the lads talk about it last week as well is one of the hardest aspects of it for me as well just obviously friends and family that that are from a part of that community like yeah i was talking to sarah about this uh your sister Obviously, I think you know her, uh, my wife. Um, about yesterday because as yeah. Sarah has no, Sarah doesn't care about sports, but she cares about the LGBTQ community and she cares about human rights. Um, she's not such a sweetheart in that way. Like so, when I told her and I read to her some of the things that would happen, con- using conversion therapy on uh, people in the LGBTQ community, they get like if they get caught, they can get punished, tortured, jailed, cast. Uh, uh, Castrated, I think it is. With like, it's just horrendous what can yeah. happen. Hearing all that, and then like telling her about it, and her then having an interest in this, and being like, "Well, why are they? Why are they allowed to own a football club?" And um, well, like they sound horrible, and the like, it's just it's mental. It is insane, and I'm so sorry because it is insane that the Premier League allowed this to come through. It is so. So daft. The way I think uh, of it is, if if that was an owner, if that was an English owner, right, yeah. who had committed or allowed these crimes to be committed under their reign, like never mind owning the football club, they would be in fucking jail in this country. Yeah, it, it would be. It would be uh, there. There would be uproar. So how? Just because it happens in a different country and it's you know nearly out of sight, out of mind. That oh, suddenly here's the keys to St James's Park. Here's here's you know welcome to the club. One of our yeah, one of our most most prized possessions in English football because that's what it is. And yeah, yeah, here, here you go, lads. You can have that now and do whatever you want with it. Yeah, it's it's it stinks right. like it, it does. And and I and again, I don't want to annoy 
you, I don't want to annoy Newcastle fans, despite what people might think. I don't like. I like. I just. It's it's really really hard to get on board with. Maybe we don't have to get on board with because it's not our club, whatever. But just just yeah, the that that article really struck a chord with me and really annoyed me in a in a good way. Stoked more fires in me. Annoyed the wrong word there because it was a brilliant article by Adam Craft and Athletic, and I I was just like a. I, like to read that, to read how horrible that is, and then to think that could be a family member or could be a friend who's put through that. I mean, you, you would go to Saudi Arabia yourself and just wreck all around you to get them home. Do you know what I mean? So it's just, I, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I just want them slapped every week, if I'm honest. Um, and I hope, I can't, I hope my outcome, my ideal outcome is they get relegated and the Saudis go root this where you can't be bothered. Um, okay. which I don't think has happened and someone else comes in that is decent um, doesn't have these human rights issues behind them um, isn't a, a country owned by a foreign state that has any mad problems comes in and takes them back to where they do belong and takes them back up and the Newcastle fans do get joy out of it but I mean that's a massive long shot massive long shot because yeah. that's what the Raiders um, are yeah 100%, it is it really is uh, we've talked for almost 80 minutes on tonight's podcast, folks, so I think that will possibly do us uh, for this week. Myself and Johnny will be back on Thursday night. I'm going to hopefully try and record a special podcast with my friend Fletch uh, around Newcastle and get his views on what he thinks has been going on and how he's felt through all of this, which should be interesting. And then we'll have a few special guests are lined up too for the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. Get all of our stuff across social media um, at the Football Bubble Get us on all your podcast apps. Just search for the Football Babble. You'll see us there. Make sure you hit subscribe as well, folks, so you don't miss an episode. And if you can, give us a rating, especially if you use iTunes. And Breton on the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Football Babble. Perfect. Join up. Sign up. £1 a month, £12 a year. That is nothing to give us. Uh, a little bit of pound towards the podcast help us keep producing these and um, thanks everyone for listening thanks for getting involved and I'll chat to you on Thursday and everyone else good luck <laughs>